This is the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee. I'm Pugs McGee. You can follow me on Twitch at The Good, The Bad, The Pugly. Follow our Facebook group. And enjoy the show. I don't know if you guys have ever actually officially met. So No, we haven't. Guy, this is Matt. Matt. What Guy. up, Matt? How's it going, man? Uh, I'm the asshole, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys belong just fine because you're both assholes. Actually, we're all a bunch of assholes, really. This this is true. <laughs> we went from like we went from having uh, a group that mostly agrees to now we're just gonna have a bunch of people that uh gonna go back and forth with each other. <laughs> I will still fight for how shit the last of us part two is to this day. <laughs> Oh, that game sucks balls. Thank you. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. See, I because I was like, I really don't care that two girls kiss. Shut the it's fuck up. Episode 21. I'm just going to throw it in there now because this is good stuff. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I really, I don't have a problem with two girls kissing, but damn, your story needs to be more about the game and the fact that zombies are trying to eat your fucking face than two girls getting stoned and kissing. The fuck? <laughs> yeah, we... It's like a meme at this point. We keep bringing that game up. See, Pug, someone agrees with me. Fuck. I didn't completely disagree with you. I just didn't think that it was all bad. Shit. Damn, life was revolves around story, and this story was shit. <laughs> yep. I mean, my biggest thing was, you know, it's the game should have ended at the damn farmhouse. The fact no. that she gave up everything to go and get her revenge. She gave up everything she ever wanted. Her dream house with the girl that she loved. She gave all that away to go get revenge that she never even enacted. You don't give up everything to do something and then not do it. I wrote, when that game first launched, I played it for about four hours, and then I wrote a small review on Facebook, and I never touched it again. And my review literally said, oh, my God, Ellie kissed a girl. Oh, let's go on patrol. Hey, look, we found some pot. Let's get stoned. Let's talk about that kiss. Screw it. Let's kiss. (laughs) That was the whole first fucking four hours of that game. (laughs) <laughs> you forgot the part where they massacred Joel in the worst way possible oh see I didn't even make it there I quit <laughs> before then I could care less holy shit <laughs> oh. see look my dumbass like I loved The Last of Us 1 so, like so much and my dumbass yes. that game was phenomenal what the hell did he smoke before he wrote two? <laughs> <laughs> He smoked that woke crack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dumbass was like, you know what? I'll 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 finish the part two. I'll do it. And then I was like, this is the, the worst game I ever played. Then I tried to play it again to try to find something that I liked. Couldn't literally I, I couldn't be, get past the first part. Like, nope, not doing it. I got to where they got stoned and kissed, and that was pretty <laughs> much it. I was like, Yep, I'm done. <laughs> I really don't care. There were things that I liked. And I really don't want to get into it because we're going to, it's going to be like a repeat of episode like 14 or whatever the fuck episode was, 36. I don't want, we're not doing another podcast about the last one. That was with Dashing and them. That was before Robert even came on. That was like episode four, man. Yeah. I swear we're going through people like it's nothing. People coming and going. Well, I think we got a solid group now. It's just conflicting schedules and things like that at this point. But anyway, I'm totally going to keep all of this in, which is why I threw the episode in. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, damn it, I'm not cutting this out. This is too good. Uh, guys, first time on here. And uh, it's a mess. I like it. Pretty typical. It's like playing games with them. It's always a mess. <laughs> Hey, look, I'm going to go punch that thing. Wait, don't! Ah! Hey, funny story. When I first started playing Final Fantasy XIV, this was back version one before the good version actually launched. Yeah, I was jealous as hell, too. I didn't get to play that. I, uh, 
I was a pugilist and I saw a gobu for the first time and I literally, I was playing with my wife and I said, I'm going to go punch that thing. So instead of her going, no, honey, it's probably too high level. She goes, do it. I'll heal you. <laughs> <laughs> I died <laughs> immediately. Damn it. That basically sums up my entire 11 years of playing with this guy. So, speaking of which, he's our newest member, Mr. Fat Chocobo over here. Hey, yo. Hopefully get used to him because I'm going to coerce him into joining more and more, hopefully. Well, the good news is the day that you record is a pretty free day for me. Good times. So today, we're going to talk about Scarlet Nexus and some other stuff. The Dead Space remake, some Battlefield stuff. But uh, let's start with Scarlet Nexus. And uh, I'll let you start it off, guy. Yeah, no, let me end it. Okay, okay. Let, I'll fangirl at the end. <laughs> all right, all right. Matt, did you play the demo? No. <clears throat> okay, okay. I've not played it, but I've watched gameplay to catch up. Okay, okay. So, this game is uh, an action JRPG, and it's kind of what? It's kind of cyberpunky, you think? Yeah, a little. Because it's definitely not fantasy. It's like, you know, all these people have uh, some form of telekinetic powers, like brain powers, and they're all connected to this network, which I would probably say is similar to the internet, only it's kind of like, it's more like the Matrix, I guess. Everybody's jacked in a little bit, um, basically against their will. I mean, I, you know, it's the norm. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily against their will. It is what it is. But then, you know, there's all these monsters that the are others. just, yeah, they're, they're called the others. And they're basically inexplicable when you start the game. Like, nobody knows what they are, where they came from, nothing. They're just, it's just a fact of life. So, you know, as these people with these, these, special powers, the, the brain powers, they go and they, they kill the others and protect the city and whatnot. But there's a lot more to it than that because there's all this political intrigue and, uh, you know, backstabbing. and the best, the best thing you can possibly compare it to is imagine Attack on Titan had a baby with Game of Thrones. And you've got Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Attack on Titan gameplay, or no Attack on Titan. Titan? We're talking just story right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the others. The comparison with the others and the Titans, because you know they're just these monsters and they don't know what's going on or why. So I, I definitely get that comparison. And with Game of Thrones, I get that too because all the the backseat politics and under the table things. And there is a lot going on with the story. And I'm a little bit pissed because the demo, the demo is great, first of all. And obviously I played it and it made me want the game because I saw it get announced at, I think it was Microsoft's show. Yep. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I like Bandai Namco and the games that they make. And uh, one of my favorite games, the, the people that made the studio that made one of my favorite games are the ones that made this game. So I'm like, okay. And I played the demo and I'm like, okay, this is really good. The gameplay, it was unique, but it wasn't. Like, you know, it's an action RPG, so <clears throat> you know what to expect from that. But the way they do it, it still feels fresh because, you know, you go in there and you combo them or whatever. But then you use your brain power, which the main character gets uh, psychokinesis, which means he can throw uh, 
objects and things. And he can also put it on his blade. Like when you when you swing a sword, it has the effect, the psychokinetic effect. But anyway, you basically do a, a small combo and then you hit the right trigger and he backs off and just throws something at him. But the cool thing is, one of the cool things is that you can combo back and forth with those because whenever you do that combo and then you back up and throw something at him, it's stronger. And then you go back in and do another melee combo and that's stronger because you're comboing the two back and forth. And you can even upgrade that in the skill tree to where you can combo more and more with them. Like, you know, Dude, that's my favorite part of the combat is just when it starts to get boring, you unlock something that makes it cool again. Oh, no, you're um, absolutely right. And it does it all the way through the game, all the way to the end. Right. And another cool thing with the combat, another aspect of it is that you have all these party members and they all have their own unique powers. Like um, one of the girls has pyrokinesis so you know that's fire so if you link up with her with the brain connection it's called sas i forget what is what the uh acronym actually stands for in game but it's called sas and basically you're just connected via like a brain network with your squad and uh, a handler type of deal but anyway when you connect with one of your party members you basically siphon their power and with the fire chick you get fire on your weapon and obviously you know you, when you combo people you light them on fire and there's certain enemies that are more vulnerable to that because they'll shoot oil at you or whatnot and there's even uh things in the environment that you can use to dump oil on the enemies and that will ignite them and uh you know it'll do more damage and stuff and when you do a certain amount of damage, the enemies have two gauges. They have their health bar and then like a, a break bar. And obviously, if you use their weakness or use the environment a lot, you'll crush. It's a crush gauge. That's what it's called. You'll crush their their second bar. And when you do that, you can instantly kill them using a special cinematic thing called like a brain crush. And yep. it like guarantees rare drops when you kill them that way, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, for instance, okay, so there's another power. Another power would be like one of the dudes lets you go invisible. And, you know, you can do sneak attacks and stuff like that. And then another chick, when you're paired up with her, uh, it's clairvoyant, so you can see invisible enemies. And this is all important because there are enemies that are vulnerable to these things, but there are certain enemies where you have to use these powers or it's just like a total pain in the ass. Like the invisible enemies... I don't even think you can actually hit them unless you use the clairvoyance. You can't. You got to use clairvoyance. <clears throat> Have you so, gotten to the part where you've unlocked the assault visions, where if you meet a certain criteria, uh, you can summon one of your party members over and they do this way overpowered attack? Um, I'm not sure. Are you talking about where you hold down L1 and hit the button that corresponds to them? No, um, assault vision is triangle and circle. Okay, no, I don't think I have that yet. Or it would be uh, Y and B on for Xbox. I was actually just about to dive more into that because as you um, bond with the other characters and give them gifts and things, their powers evolve and have more effects. So. He's not talking. only that their stories are great oh god no, i completely agree and <laughs> well we're going to talk about the comment really quick and then we'll dive into the actual the bonding yeah. episode but <clears throat> you know as I'd you be lying i'd be lying if i said there wasn't like a few issues with the combat for example the lock-on and I'm sure you oh, know yeah. what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It locks the camera on rather than locking your attacks on. So you can still miss your attacks, which is frustrating, especially on flying enemies. Um, the other thing but, about the camera I don't like is the way you change it. Yeah. Normally in games, you would just <clears throat> press the right analog stick in whatever direction you want to change targets. Well, in this game, you have to hold down R1 and then do that. It's not that big of a deal, but I actually have to remind myself that I have to hold down R1 to do it. So it's like 
My biggest issue with that is it doesn't always register. Yeah, I actually noticed that the last time I played for the first time. But anyway, back to the powers. As you bond with them and use them and give them gifts, their powers upgrade. So, for instance, the fire chick, you know, at first it's just you get fire on your weapon. But as you level up, you'll get things like... um, her gauge will uh, fill up faster so that you can use her power again sooner. And then you'll get like a special attack with her where if you consume like 60% of the gauge, she'll come in and do a really strong, quick attack that's like an AOE sword slash. So as you keep going, you'll just upgrade these powers like that. And that adds even more layer to the combat. Well, it becomes uh, really important too because... I'm, I've been sitting here trying to remember the name of the enemy, but I can't remember it. But there's one enemy that you have to do that assault attack using yeah. your uh, comrades. Otherwise, you'll never be able to hit him and you can't break his armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> the newest enemy type I got to is the ones where you have to teleport to them or they're invulnerable. Is it the the looks like a tree and it's got like this metal railing around their waist and when you get close, it's they like sit a, down. Yeah, it looks that's like the a, one I'm talking about. Box. That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. They were well, a see, pain until I figured it out. Well, see, I just teleport to them because if you teleport to them and hit them once, uh, it it crushes their gauge. So uh, see, I just did Sagumi's assault where she jumps in the air and fires her guns and it automatically knocks them down. That's not bad. That's not bad. Unfortunately, I haven't been doing that because there's a lot of invisible enemies at the same time there. So I don't want to blow the majority of her gauge when I'm going to need it for the invisible ones. Yeah, I got you. Well, the other ones that do the dash attack work too. Um, I like how you... I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the guy uh, that does Skelosaurus or whatever Gemma? called. Yeah, Gamma. That's, That's him. I actually just got his power. His dash like attack is, will also do the same thing. <laughs> but, um, see, like, I like how we both have these different methods for fighting the same enemies. That's pretty cool. Because in a way, it can be limiting because, you know, certain enemies are weak to certain things, but, you know, you can kind of mix it up and find different ways to go about it, and that makes it even more fun. Yeah. And then there's the whole... Uh, there's, like, a super mode that you get as you kill enemies and land attacks. I forget what it's called, because there's... Brain Two drive. Okay, brain dive. Yeah, brain dive. So... That basically just makes your attacks faster, you move faster, and... Uh, you take less <laughs> damage and do more. Yeah, and you can even upgrade that in the skill tree to have your health regen. The skill tree is actually pretty good, uh, the way it enhances everything. <clears throat> and I'm, finally... I, just, I can't wait till you finish it. Yeah, just so I'm we definitely... can discuss that end. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm definitely going to be doing that within the next week. But uh, then there's Brain Field, which is as far as I've gotten with the combat. Brain Field, basically, it changes the terrain and your guy, he almost like goes crazy, like berserk in a trance. And he's just super strong. Like all these objects are floating around you. Uh, you're swinging just objects like your regular attacks. You're just swinging stuff at the enemies and you could like throw like 20 things at them at the same time. And you, I think you take less, a lot less damage and it's super overpowered. The only thing you have to watch out for is there's a timer. And if you're in there too long, you automatically die. Yeah. Game over. So that's cool as shit. Cause it's really strong, but like literally you'll die if you stay in it for too long. So that's cool. It's really cool. <clears throat> story wise now back, yeah. story wise I'm going to say this I'm going to say it before Matt has a chance to say it I have Fuck this you. really bad habit of skipping cutscenes whenever I find a story to get boring 
or I'm kind of over it really happens to me in games that are above 10 hours. After about 10 hours, I go, eh, I don't care. I will admit that in Mass Effect, I still have no idea what a Reaper is, but I killed one. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't skip a single cutscene in this game. Not a single one. Watched every one of them. Watched every character's side story. Um, and the coolest part of this story to me is that there's two characters you can choose from. A male, Yuito, and then the female. Um, Matt, what's her name? Kasani. And uh, you start out the game starts exactly the same for both of them, but something happens within the story that they go their separate ways. Well, you get to see both sides of that story. If you play both characters and there is a new game plus option. So when you finish, I started with Yuito and when I finished with him, it said, did I want to carry over my save data? And I said, yes, um, so now I get to see the other side of the story without losing any of my progress. So to me, that's fantastic because it keeps the story alive. It took me about 34 hours to, def- to beat it the first time. Um, and I'm looking forward to another 30 hours with the uh, other story. Yeah, and I really like that because the way that they did the story with the things that are happening between the two characters, I also started with Yuito. So, like, I'm looking at Kasani like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to be cool as hell to go back and play as her. And find out her what she was thinking. <laughs> exactly. And I really like that stuff in... Um, games and movies and everything really like just i want to see all perspectives so big fan of that bonding episodes are great um well, i, I skipped any- the developers did such a good job making you care about every single character there's even one in the game that they attempted to make um uh, the most annoying character they possibly could. And I still wanted to know more about this guy. I wanted to know uh, why he was the way he was. Seated, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm basically at that point where I'm like, what the hell? Well, you get to the, when you first meet him, you're like, what a jerk, man. I can't stand this guy. But yet you go back for the second episode and you're like, oh, my God, this dude is just a complete ass. And but yet you continue to go back. He literally finally at, at in the end, you finally find out why he is the way he is. He literally invited me to a cafe just to tell me what piece of shit I am. Yeah. <laughs> and then acted like he was doing me a favor by telling me, but, wow, I know some people like this for real. <laughs> But no, like, at first, with the characters, it's like, you know, there are some that you already feel some connection with based on the interaction with Yuito, like uh, Hanabi and, like, Seto, back whenever, you know, that was the thing. But, um, you know, characters like Gemma and stuff, it was kind of you know, it was kind of like meeting somebody for the first time and you're like, you know, you don't know them. So I was like, okay, you see them hanging out and stuff. But then as you do a few more episodes, the bonding episodes, it's like you, you actually start to like him. Like I started to like him. It wasn't even about Yui to like him. I started to like him. Yeah. Cause like I you mean- take him out cause he's an older guy. And basically in the game, they take growth stunting hormones to keep their youth and to keep their bodies fresh and this dude even despite that he's still getting old and he's like 50 something and his body's probably like 30s or 40s and so he's you know he's an older guy and he's out of touch with what's cool and what's hit so Yuito decides that he's gonna take him out 
on the town and show them food and trends and things like that. Yeah, and, Gemma is, you know, I, I identified with Gemma. Gemma is my favorite character. I can see that. Um, but I wanted to talk about a specific part because he takes them to like a, a cafe, a VR cafe. And the inside the VR, there's like these giant cats that like smothered him and he's like it freaks me out it freaks me out i never want to do it again i didn't like that but then after you get done he messages you and he's like you know what i actually do want to go back and go to the cat vr again yep my favorite was he wanted to get food gyoza why is the gyoza black <laughs> Well, it's, I think he's, it's, I think he was like, why is it green and yellow? And yeah. Shit? And he's like, and, and Yuito is like, it's designer gyoza. Well, what was wrong with regular gyoza? <laughs> I was falling out. Because that's yeah. me in a nutshell. And it was because like it was, it had different flavors in the different colored ones. So he was like, wow, that actually is pretty good. So I just like that because like I said, it was cool to see them actually interact that way. And I actually personally started, I'm starting to care, care about Gemma as a character because of that. Well, they developed, they did such a great job. Every single anime game maker needs to study this game when it comes to character development and story. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. Um, combat, hopefully we get a two. I'm I'm like praying to every god on earth and beyond. I want Scarlet Nexus too. I want it bad, um, but hopefully they'll address some of the issues with the combat. But I mean, it's it's plain and simple to see the story was at the forefront for those developers, and their characters were put together with such loving care that I literally teared up when a character died. Um, there's one character in the game, Matt. I don't know if you've made it there yet. Um, I, I don't think so, because I probably okay, have the same. Then I'm not going to spoil <laughs> anything, but there's one character that I literally teared up when he died. Oh, man. I <laughs> Is it fucked up that I'm looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> And that's just, we're just talking about the characters right now. The overarching plot is really strong. Yeah. Because I've only got questions right now. Well, just, and the when, questions you think, just are, when you think you've got it figured out, they throw, it, they throw a loophole <laughs> exactly. in. Exactly. Like, I've got so many questions. And every time I get an answer to something, it's like I have more questions. And I like that because it's keeping me interested because... You know, it's it's like you said, you think you've got things figured out and then it's like, wait. But I thought we were against them and now it's like we're all doing the same thing, but in different ways and for different reasons and it's it's just not black and white. It's super complicated. So much crap has happened already. Like yep. just backstabbing and confusing stuff, like why is this person dead? How did this happen? Why did this guy screw me over? Throw me under the bus. So it's just like, that is crazy. The characters are great. And then you got this overarching story that just keeps you on your toes. And it's just like, I literally don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, I, I said it last week, even though we didn't get to post last week's podcast, <laughs> I'll say it again. This is my favorite game on PS5, period. End of discussion best game out there even better to me than the demon souls remake and that's God, pretty that, high, that's pretty high praise it is because i love that damn game yeah well i mean that was my first ps5 platinum so same but uh yeah yeah it's definitely a sleeper hit the game's a sleeper hit you know I mean, I knew I was going to be into it because it's an RPG 
and it's a JRPG and it's, you know, got that anime feel to it. And I've always been into that, but I had no idea that everybody else was going to take to it so well. I had no idea I was getting into it. I just, I played the demo. I went, Hey, the combat is pretty stinking good. This is cool. Yeah. I told you about it. And then (laughs) next thing you know, like I, I, Turned the demo off. I went into the store, pre order. <laughs> and then for the next, what, week and a half, that was all I played. Yeah. So, Matt. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. What did you think of the gameplay that you saw for it? Um, my first impression. And I just looked at it again while all that was happening. Um, literally, my first thought was like, "Oh, this is Crackdown." If you ever played Crackdown, because the anime or not the animation, but the um, art kind of looked like that in a way. Mm. But watching gameplay and the sword fluidity and all that gives me a bunch of different vibes. Devil May Cry shit, you know. But it has a bunch of magic, magic too, or whatever the hell you want to call that. I guess I've never played it. Yeah. So, brain power. <clears throat> it looks fun. And if the story is as good as you guys say it is, then. Well, I mean, the best comparison I can make for this game is it's like watching a really good anime that you get to play the action sequences. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna have to try it out for sure. Oh yeah, I can definitely highly recommend. I don't know. I'm just not uh, the biggest fan of RPGs. I mean, it depends on the RPG, though. I, I guess for me, I got gotcha. you. It's understandable. Like The Witcher. Cool. Speaking of things that, uh, speaking of things that that have me stoked, I know we all saw the Dead Space announcement. Yeah, oh, I think I cried. I, think I cried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did, especially whenever they zoomed in on the cut off their limbs. I went, oh <laughs> God. Yeah, and then. At first, I didn't know what the fuck. I mean, I kind of had a hinch. They're not like looking at. It, I was like, hmm, maybe this could be something else or that project. Um, ah, shit. What the hell is that scary game called that they like calling it Cast Castello or something? I don't uh, know. Callisto Project. Yes, that. Yeah. I thought that's what that was gonna be, but then I saw the the health bar on his back like light up. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Hold up. They're actually doing this. My only fear is uh, there's there's this leaked in rumors weeks before the actual official announcement, mm-hmm. and some of the guys that leaked it are rarely, if ever, wrong on their leaks. So I think everybody saw it coming, but one of the guys is talking about the fact that it might be a first person shooter instead of a third person. Bro, you just fucked that up, then. You just fucked the entire Dead Space. I mean, it's... I completely it look, agree. It would look cool. It'd be scary because everything in first person is scary. Yeah. But it's not Dead Space. Yeah. See, though... Oh, God. I get where you're coming from. I really, really, really do. And for me... Okay, so I played the first Dead Space. But I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to bullshit. I played for a couple hours. The game scared the crap out of me. Like, it did its job to the point where I couldn't play. I stopped playing. <laughs> like, I literally <laughs> stopped playing. And part of me regrets it because I wish I had just stuck through it because it, it it was enjoyable, but I was just like, I can't, you know, playing this in the dark by myself. I'm like, no, 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 no. I only like, had one game do that to me, and it wasn't even a game. It was a... Uh... It was a um, a physical trailer. It was called PT. Hmm. Uh, Kojima Silent Hills. I had to play it with the lights on. That's probably the the scariest game I've ever played. It was a game. <laughs> yeah. 
But as far as Dead Space being, like, if they make it first person, I get why people would want it to be third person because the other games are third person. But there's so much potential in first person. I'm not I mean, going to lie. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be disappointed if it's first person, but I'm still going to play the crap out of it. Yeah. Like, Resident Evil was third person for, like, 20, what, 20-something years. And then they went first person with it. And, you know, as a fan of Resident Evil, I wasn't happy with it. Well, Village was, Village is another game that I didn't skip a single cutscene. Village is freaking fantastic. Yeah. That's my point. That's, Village is actually my favorite now. And it's first person. So, based on that, and, and it was also scarier to me than. All of them, except for like the original. And the reason the original Resident Evil was so scary for me is because, first of all, I was like nine years old. Second of <laughs> all, yeah, I, I didn't even play it. I was watching my brother play it. All right. And, you know, there weren't games like that. I think that might have been the first game like it or close to it. I mean, maybe they had those arcade House of the Dead games, maybe. At that yeah, point. those aren't scary. Those are just point and shoot. Yeah, but like nobody else was, that, that was all new. Yeah. So that's why that game was so freaking yeah. scary to me. And I mean, it still holds up today. It's a good game. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you because I think seven was actually scarier than eight. I never played seven, but I did watch recaps on it. And I'll probably agree with you there. Oh, no, no. He, he's even right. Like they were forced to make eight less scary than seven because people said it was too scary. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Seven, seven had some serious creepy vibes. But Village was definitely like, Matt was there when I was in the oh, party geez. playing a lot. You, you hear me freaking out? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the dollhouse. That's all I got to say. Oh, God. Yes. I, see, I, I, was, never, I don't ever want to have another kid. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> the dollhouse freaked the crap out of Matt. But I laughed. I was laughing at it the whole time because this little doll talking shits me while I'm stabbing her in the eye with scissors. Like, no, no. What what got to me was the the no that the, got to me the, the baby the baby yeah going dad like no no I'm not your daddy and then it ate me that I freaked out for that for sure laughed for the dolls. I thought Heisenberg was fun as hell to fight because it was like a fucking oh, yeah. mech Heisenberg battle. Was it was great. a mech battle. I was not expecting that at all. You just roll out there with a makeshift like mech turret type. Heisenberg thing. was actually a better. It was actually the best boss fight in the game. Heisenberg and Heisenberg and probably Lady D. I did like the fight with the the fish guy. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name. But I think Lady D fight in the tower and stuff was fun. And because she's a cool character, she's just fun in general and the whole, you know, thing with the daughters and then her chasing down the hall and stuff like that. So that that was good. I wish but you could have seen my just, face when I killed Lady D and realized that there were more bosses. <laughs> 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 because you know they hyped her up so much I thought she was the big boss of the game. And next thing you know, uh, no, she's just the first boss, buddy. You got a lot of game to go. Oh, I thought that too. But I mean, like at the beginning of the game, you see the cutscene with all of them, like, you know, Heisenberg and Fishman and all of them. So I kind of figured it out that there would be more. But it was definitely epic. All the bosses like, are epic. Yeah. And it still had that, a little bit of that action vibe stuff. It actually kind of reminded me of something Kojima would make. Because the characters, the bosses are all over the top. Their personalities and stuff. Yep. And like Heisenberg with his hammer and controlling metal and stuff like that. So, Speaking of Kojima, did you see that uh, right now, I think it's still in the rumor phase, but rumor has it that Microsoft has hired him for an exclusive? Yeah. And I also heard that he was talking shit about Sony, but I didn't look into it. So I don't know the specifics on that. I don't know. I that's the first I've heard about his if he has a beef with Sony. But uh, luckily for me, I own both consoles, so I don't care. Just make me another game. 
And please don't make it pop post office simulator. I mean, we're probably all going to be dead before he comes out with another game anyway, so it's kind of moot. It's going to take at least another 15, 20 years. I don't know. I, I need more than Death Stranding. I was not a fan. <laughs> post you know who is a fan? You know who is a fan? Who? Matt. Well, actually, I am too, but he's he's actually a pretty pretty big fan of Death Stranding. People understand why people don't like it, but also people don't have the patience for the game to actually get good because it does get good at the end and in the middle. You're not just walking hard, but it's more than what you just do. Exactly. See, I'll be honest, I didn't give it much of a chance. I did a few missions and went, I'm literally the postman. And every so often something chases me, but I'm the postman. I mean, there is a lot of fighting and sneaking. And then you got to deal with the, the rain Yeah, I just, I I don't know. I, it didn't do it for me in the first few hours. And as I said before, it, especially in a story-heavy game like that, that's one that I literally, if I'd kept playing, I would have skipped every cutscene. And but, oh, you can't do that cool. in a Kojima game. And it's like you can tell that he had Kete Blanche to do what he wanted because the story has him written all over it. It's so over the top. It's so crazy. Like the character names, even like what was the dude's name? Like Dead Man. Like oh, yeah, so Dead good. Man. So good. And then like man. the whole sequence with Mads Mikkelsen. Like you get sucked up into this tornado, and you get sucked into like World War Two. And you had to fight him like way back in this World War II sequence, and it's freaking epic. It's crazy. The game's absolutely bonkers. And I get why you feel the way that you feel because that is a chunk of the game, like walking around carrying stuff. But I mean, you know, like I said, you get sucked into a tornado and you fight Mads Mickelson. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a, just, you know, that's a lot more to just walk around with some packages, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, just so everybody knows, I'm, I'll, I'll be 50 this year. And the kind of time that I would have had to have dedicated to that for it to get good wasn't worth it when there were games that were good from the start out at the same time. Right, right. And so I, I had to, I kind of have to maximize my time. Yeah. But the story ended up being very good. And the music, the music was amazing. Oh, Kojima's Um, music is always amazing and always fits like a glove. Oh, we lost Matt. Yeah, I'm going to get him. He dropped a few times now. But uh, it's just like, because the music isn't always playing. And even when you're out and about, it doesn't always play. But it cues, and it, it's like it comes in at exactly the right times. I've never seen a game cue music better than that. It was perfect. And the visuals were stunning. And Oh, it was a beautiful game. I will not dispute that. The atmosphere and the characters... And the, the overarching story, and you know, I there's guess, like a, plenty I guess, of combat. Go ahead, go ahead. Plenty of combat, and by the end of the game, I was over the combat because I don't like sneaking, and there's a lot of sneaking, and you end up like making ammo from uh, <laughs> your piss, basically. You can make grenades and stuff from your piss and your shit. Oh, nice. And you know, you you end up getting a grenade launcher near, like, you know, partway through the game and stuff like that. So you get guns and things like that. But, you know, I, I got tired of sneaking around and stuff like that. So by the time the game was over, I was over the gameplay. But, like, 
it's just if you focus on the postman aspect of it you won't like it but there's so much more going on than that so much more I just got irritated, especially when you've got all these packages on your back and you're trying to hold L2 and R2 to balance it out so you don't fall. And then you have to pick up all your packages and then you go through the same shit. And, oh, I, now I got to climb this mountain with all these packages. Yeah, It, it was just so tedious to me <clears throat> that I looked at it and went, I'm going to play something else. I kind of enjoyed that aspect a little bit. <clears throat> Again, by the time the game was done, I was over it. <clears throat> but it was almost fun doing the balancing act and trying to climb up stuff. It's almost like a almost like a puzzle because you're trying to balance the packages and you know you have to replace your shoes and <laughs> always that's that's like roll the game. Always bring like four pairs of shoes. <laughs> but like. <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's just the the story and the characters, man. The story and the characters, the atmosphere, the the graphics, the music, and then all the crazy shit. Like, like I said, you get sucked up in tor into a tornado and fight Mads Mikkelsen. Like, hello, fucking insane. Oh. Well, I, hope, <clears throat> I was hoping Matt would join us for uh, this next piece because I want to talk about my favorite shooter battlefield and its use of bots on next gen consoles to make sure that servers are always full. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's too early to really make a judgment because if the AI is decent, then yeah, I'm down. You know, give me a full server. That way it's always got that full war feel to it. Um, but if the AI is running into circles and running into walls and shooting and not hitting anything, then nah, I'm good. They, they, they really do have a delicate balancing act to do to make it work. Because you can't have your AI be 100% accurate. But at the same time, um, you've got you need to make the AI dangerous enough that players care, right? You know, because there's some games where the AI is like spot on, and every shot they take hits you in the face. And if they do that in Battlefield, they're going to lose a lot of people, like me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, it depends on how much of an impact the bots have, like, on what you're doing and, like you said, how strong they are. Because, like, in Titanfall, the AI bots are terrible. Yeah. And I don't like them. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it's going to pan out. Well, only time can tell, but Battlefield's doing a lot of stuff right. Did you see the announcement of the Battlefield portal? I saw it, but I don't know what the hell it's about. Uh, a lot of people, um, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that there's a petition out right now. The Call of Duty Warzone players want uh, Raven to copy it and put it into Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. um, it basically takes all of the favorite modes from every single Battlefield game and gives you this wide open array that you can choose from. Like if you were a fan of Rush from Bad Company 2, well, guess <laughs> what? That mode is inside the portal and you can go in and find a match of Rush, uh, Bad Company 2, only upgraded to... Uh, you know, Battlefield 2042 standards. Huh. So I know a lot of people were making fun of it when it was announced saying, oh, well, Warzone is free and you're charging 70 bucks and there's no single player. But then they keep unveiling stuff like this. We figured out, we remember why Battlefield is great. So
So I'm I'm remaining uh, hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic, but yeah, I, mean, I haven't been after Battlefield One and Battlefield Five. I was not a fan of either. Um, I mean, I get I love the stories from Battlefield One, the single player. Um, Battlefield Five didn't feel as fleshed out as Battlefield 1 did. It didn't feel quite as powerful in the single player. And Battlefield 5's multiplayer was just entirely forgettable. Um, But Battlefield 1's multiplayer, I didn't like it because I don't like the weapons. Um, Yeah, that's how I feel about, like, all games that are in that time period, like World War 1 and World War 2 games. I just don't like the guns. And I feel like the vehicles are limited, too, because... You know, they had to be realistic to the time. Oh, the tanks were awful in Battlefield yeah. 1. In Battlefield 5. Yeah. So I just don't enjoy the weaponry from that period. That's basically what it boils down to for me. Fair enough. I can tell you that there's a lot of hype for 2042, though, because I don't know if you saw, but they <laughs> they literally had to increase server capacity on Battlefield 4 twice in the last couple of months. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I'll log in I, to play a game and it doesn't matter what time it is. The first two pages under the server browser, every one of them's full and there's people in the queue. I mean, there's definitely hype, but I don't know if there's enough there to back the hype for me right now. See, I guess I, because I, of how I am at this point, I'm not going to be able to go all in on it until it comes out and I read reviews and maybe watch some people play it beforehand. Well, see, I'm I, worried about the hype because the last game that was super hyped uh, was um, Cyberpunk, and we all know how that ended. Oh, man, I was so disappointed. I was super excited at first. Even when everybody else was having problems with the game, I didn't because I was playing on PS5. Yeah. So I was still enjoying it, but it's just oh, I was let down. But we we talked about that before. Yeah. The other meme, cyber cyberpunk and the last of us are the two running memes on the show here. But uh, <laughs> but Battlefield, it's just I'm, I'm too just, skeptical right now. Well, I'm gonna say this: I have been a lifelong Battlefield fan, all the way back to Battlefield 1942 on PC. Um, I played competitively in Battlefield 3. Um, we actually played in tournaments. I was the number four tank driver in the world. Um, and uh, this is their last chance. If they ruin 2042, I will never buy another Battlefield game. Uh, yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. You know how big I am into it. You and I have played it <laughs> yeah. together a lot. Like Bad Company 2, Battlefield 3. Yep. You know, so you know how into it I am. And it's just with the last couple, I'm I'm really skeptical. They burned me bad. And so they got to make it up to me. And the information that they put out is enticing, but it's not enough for me. I need I need the game to be out. I need to see it. I need to read up on it. I need to, you know see it when it's not in a controlled environment. I need to see it for what it is. Well, I already cast my pre-order, so I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, from everything that I've read, it, the developers finally listened to the community. They realized that their two most popular games they ever released, sales-wise and critical acclaim-wise, was Battlefield 3 and Battlefield Bad Company 2. And supposedly, they're drawing from those two games for the inspiration for 2042. Well, if that's true, then it'll be great. Yeah. But only time will tell. Like I said, I, I, I got I to gotta see it when it's not in its controlled environment. I got to see when it's been unleashed and it's out in the open. And <sighs> yeah, then I'll be able to decide, like, hey, yeah. Well, I can tell you there was three versions that you could pre-order. I pre-ordered the cheapest version. (laughs) Smart man. 
my gut was telling me get the most expensive one, but I went no because I remember pre-ordering Battlefield One and Five. And EA, EA is kind of in a weird position right now. If you remember back a few years ago, and you're old enough to remember, thank goodness, um, <laughs> Activision was the bad guy. <clears throat> Right. Everybody hated Activision. They couldn't do anything right. The entire industry was against them. Look at them today. They're the golden child. So it's not too late for EA, but they need a hit because their last few games have been lackluster at best. And they're their they're biggest games as well. <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, Mass Effect and and then follow that up with uh, Anthem. Oh man, Anthem was a shit show. Yeah. Honestly, <clears throat> I like Anthem though. I'll be I the like one the concept of Anthem. I hate the execution of Anthem. What got me was the end game. Like they screwed up the loot, and so they they had it all planned out. You know, they they had post launch content coming. And it was looking good and sounding good, and it was going to be fine. And the story wasn't the greatest, but it was passable. Yeah. It was fun as hell. Like, well, the biggest I, problem was they showed it off way too early. I uh, forget which E3 it was, but it was like two, maybe even three years before the game actually came out. Because the hype was there, EA rushed them, and BioWare had to rush it out the door. They rushed out an unfinished product. So then when EA finally realized, hey, we might have screwed up, and they allowed the developers the chance to fix their screw up, then um, everybody was talking about, oh, Anthem 2.0 is going to be amazing. And then it went dead silent for about a year. And then the hype grew back up online. Um, oh, it's it's we're really working on it. You guys are going to love the changes we're making. And then EA pulled the plug. Yeah, and that's the story of Anthem. <clears throat> Basically, the developers with the 2.0 was were trying to go back and create the game they were trying to create whenever EA rushed it out the door. So EA is the big villain when it comes to Anthem, not so much Bioware. But Bioware's got, like, I'm not pre-ordering Dragon Age 4. I want to, but I'm not going to, because your nope. last three games have been crap. Oh, I didn't even like, I didn't even like Dragon Age Inquisition. And that game got Game of the Year. I liked the Inquisition. I platinumed Inquisition. I actually didn't skip any cutscenes in that one. I just, I played it for I did a couple ignore, hours. I did ignore the side characters, though, because they were awful. The side stories, the side quests, there's too many of them. They were all throwaway. Yep. And coming off of The Witcher, when the side stories were better than the main plot, I couldn't stand going to Dragon Age Inquisition. And Well, Inquisition came out before Witcher 3. I think you're thinking of the expansions. Because the expansions came out after Witcher, but Inquisition... Uh... Because we played the multiplayer in it. Yeah, and I remember it was, that. It was back when we had our mutual friend Mikey, um, and uh, we played we played that multiplayer a lot. Yeah, I played the and multiplayer then, ten but, times more than I played the story. But we had already had our falling out with our mutual friend uh, before The Witcher came. Oh yeah, Dragon Age was twenty thirteen. Holy crap, that was a long yeah. time ago. Okay, yeah, The Witcher was 2015. Well, either way, the side quests in Inquisition were so trash. Oh, they were awful. I didn't do them. And it just it immediately turned me off to the game. And now, I didn't like Dragon Age 2. I hated Dragon Age 2. Oh, I, I, I love Dragon Age 2. I loved Dragon Age Origins. Oh, Origins it. is literally still the definitive Dragon Age game. Loved it. But now EA's... I don't know. They're hit and miss at this point. 
Well, they've got to have a hit. Otherwise, they're, I mean, they've either got to pull an Activision or die. They really don't have much choice anymore because you've got all of these young publishing companies coming up and they're just going to, they're going to push EA out of the market if EA continues to develop trash and push it out. And I think that I think the heads at EA know this. I think they know that they're on a they're on a suicide mission, which gives me hope for 2042. Because if 2042 comes out and bombs, that's number one. That's the end of Dice, because Battlefield is Dice's flagship game. But number two, I think we'll start to see the slow demise of EA if Battlefield bombs. So there's a lot riding on this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, For sure, I think Battlefield will be in danger if this one fails. I don't have a doubt in my mind. No. Like I said, if this one is, is garbage like the last two, it's my last Battlefield game. And Battlefield was truly my first love on on console online. Uh, very first Battlefield game I played online was Bad Company One, and that game is so underrated. That game was so fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan, so I'm rooting for him. But again, I'm skeptical. I'm really, really. I've got my, I'm not riding the hype train. I'll put it to you this way. Um, I may or may not play it day one. It uh, really, it depends on my work schedule as to whether or not I get to play. But uh, the, um, I'm not like if they were to announce Scarlet Nexus 2 today, oh, automatic pre-order and I'll be up that night at midnight. I'm taking a personal day the next day um, because I'm going to play that game. Battlefield doesn't have that for me right now. One and five kind of killed that. You know, even four was a train wreck when it first launched. Yeah, for sure. I remember. Couldn't even play it. Kept getting disconnected. Well, I I quit playing four whenever they announced the huge maps, and I was like all excited. Yes, vehicle centric maps, you know, because I was a tank driver. Um, I'm like, oh, this is going to be epic. The maps are huge. Well, on consoles, they didn't up the player count, so it was twelve versus twelve on these massive maps. And I remember playing a few rounds, and one game I went three and zero. Oh, and it was only because I only saw three people the whole game. Yeah. So lots of missteps, and they can't have that with this launch. They they just can't. Um, the, their future as a developer and as a company can't take that kind of loss. If Call of Duty comes out of this the winner it's pretty much the end of EA, at least in the first-person shooter realm. Honestly, I think I think Halo's going to make a comeback. Halo's been suffering, but I think this is the one. Uh, we'll see. They really haven't been good since, uh, since Bungie left, story-wise, story-wise. When Bungie left the franchise, the franchise started a slow decline, and – you know, you've got your diehard people that, that loved it, and then you've got people like me who I was never really invested in Halo's story, but I did enjoy it. Right. And I can admit that the story, the quality of Halo's stories has declined so much since Bungie left. Yeah. Wow. Same thing is true of Gears of War. Oh, Gears of War is great. Yeah, oh, the, it's fantastic. But story-wise, once Cliff Blazinski left the project, it, mm-hmm. it's almost like they lost the vision. The, the vision for this is the story I want to tell is gone. 
and when you know now that Marcus isn't the head, the lead of the story, it almost seems broken. Right. You know, from a story standpoint, gameplay is still stellar. I remember Gears of War One was the reason I bought an Xbox Three Sixty. The, the reason I bought an Xbox Three Sixty was Oblivion. Oh yeah, I forgot about Oblivion. Oh, spent the entire summer with Colton playing that game. Yep, I even did all of the expansions. Literally, grabbed my big old box TV, <laughs> carried that shit down the street. Looked like I just got done robbing somebody. <laughs> and literally carried that to Colton's grandparents' house. And we played that shit all summer. We landed I up. Still say I still my day, TV, And his was on his TV. We were just comparing notes all summer long. To this day, Bethesda has yet to top um, the Shia Gorath um, expansion. Shia Gorath is one of the best, one of, one of my all-time favorite characters yeah. in any That game. expansion is, is hilarious. Down the best dis- expansion in in Elder Scrolls. Period. And the plot twist of him being Jabberwocky was amazing. Yeah, I didn't see it coming, and I just love him as a character. And oh, he's such a great character. He makes a cameo in Skyrim, but it's not enough. It's just, it's not enough. See, I never finished Skyrim. Couldn't get into it. I don't know why. I'd all I've tried like eight times, and I get to almost the exact same point, and I quit every single time. It's after you get the the first shout finished, Busrada. After yeah. I get that last syllable, I kind of fall off. I'm done. I've actually been itching to go back and play that recently. Ironically. Since we're you know talking, I about downloaded it. it because it's on Games Pass, but I haven't dove back in to try again yet. I mean, I played the crap out of it way back when, and there are other games I want to play right now. But I think I'm going to go back and play that whenever uh, I'm in a drought. Because right now, all I'm playing is Warframe until Tuesday, and then Tribes of Midgard. Yeah, Tribes of Midgard. We're going to be talking about that one next time. Yes, sir. Hopefully we'll have good stuff to report because it looks fantastic. This has been another episode of the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee. Follow us on Facebook at the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee and on Twitter at MGSFC Gaming.